May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I want to jump right into the text that we heard read for our gospel lesson. It comes to us from John chapter 6, and it's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, or uh, sometimes referred to as the feeding of the multitude. And the details are very familiar to us. The day is passing by. A whole bunch of people are there following and listening to Jesus. And Jesus wants to feed them because they're all too far from their homes and they're very weary at this point. So Jesus asked Philip, where can we get some bread that we can feed them all? Now, we're told that Jesus says this, that he might prove Philip or test him, depending on what uh, translation you're reading from. And that's an interesting little detail. And it's the detail that I want us to focus on this morning in this homily. Jesus tests Philip. And he does it on purpose. John says that Jesus already knew what he would do. So this is an extra added step, if you will, taken by Jesus. And of which we need to take note. A lot of times we see a test as something that is meant as a way to assess someone. In a, in a pass or fail type of way. And this is what happened whenever the, the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes would come and they would test Jesus with various questions and situations. Is it, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful to pay tribute to Caesar? Things like that. They wanted Jesus to fail in his answers such that they could accuse him of blasphemy or they could discredit him before the face of the people. So is this what Jesus was doing with Philip in this situation, in this test? Is this to test Philip to see what he would say and whether he would pass and meet some level of faith in Jesus? I mean, if Philip says, Lord, well, well, you know what you can do, then Jesus would respond like he did to some of the other people during his ministry. Oh, Philip, how great is your faith? Or is this a different type of test? A test not in the sense of pass or fail, not in the sense of approving or disproving of something or someone, but rather a test of spiritual strengthening, a test of refining. This meaning that through such a test, that by making Philip acknowledge the overwhelming aspects of this situation, and as Philip and all the disciples and people, for that matter, see Jesus solve this impossible situation that Philip might grow in his faith, that he might be strengthened in the inner man, as St. Paul might say. Now, as I read this story, and as I read a lot of the stories of Scripture, I try to place myself in the place of the characters. I try to imagine myself in their situation. And what I discover is that I'm a lot like the various characters, and I act like a lot of them. And that's the beauty of God's word. That's the beauty of how God has chosen to speak to us through stories like this. Because no one can say that the characters in scripture are so far removed from us that they're unrelatable. Because the truth of the matter is, 
that they're exactly like us, or I should say we are exactly like them. And in this particular case, I'm personally a lot like Philip as he answers Jesus. Being involved in a lot of different financial things and having worked with money and in banks and in accounting since I was 16 years old, I'm a quick budget calculator. I mean, give me some financial numbers, give me a spreadsheet, and I'll arrange them, I'll make them look pretty, I'll analyze them, and I'm going to offer my judgment on them in no time. And that's what I see with Philip in this story. Here's the need. Here's the resources required. Here's what we have. And whammo, here's what's possible and not possible. Jesus. You know that there's more than 5,000 people here, right? Jesus, you know how much bread that would take, right? I mean, 200 penny worth isn't enough that each may have only just a little bit. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward calculation. Roughly 5,000 people, 200 denarii or penny worth equals 25 people per denarius or penny. And it's really hard to convert that to our understanding because a denarius is based on a day's wage. And that varies from country to country. In our country, with nearly an $8 an hour minimum wage, it'd be about 60 bucks. But go to a different country, and a day's wage might only be 25 or 30 or something like that. But the point is, even at our elevated costs, imagine feeding 25 people on $60. That's $2.40 a person. Good luck with that. So Philip expresses that. Hey, Jesus, this just isn't going to work. And during this whole thing, I can sense Jesus chuckling inside. I mean, I can picture in my mind's eye a a half-cracked smile slowly coming across Jesus' face, ready to blurt out, that's the point, Philip. You're almost there. Keep going. And friends, that there is the test. It's an impossibility. And Jesus knew this. Jesus said this to test Philip and the others as well, so that they might not trust in their own resources and abilities, but in the resources and the abilities of God, who has all of creation at his disposal and who has all power over that creation. You see, the miracle isn't just about meeting the needs of the hungry people, which is what a lot of people focus on. This miracle is also about the growth of the disciples' faith. And this story challenges our sensibilities of what is possible with our own strength, with our own means, with our own abilities. And what is, quote, our own is then measured against what is God's strength and what is God's means. And what is God's abilities? And to see the impossibility of man overcome by the power of God results in growth. And such is the nature of testing. And as we close this morning, let us take a moment to reflect and meditate on that. God's testing. You see, God's testing of us is not to destroy us. God's testing of us is not to beat us down. God's testing of us is not to to push us away like an angry parent or something. God's testing of us is actually to draw us closer to him that we might grow in faith. 
Oftentimes, such testings are to get us out of our own way, such that we can see the power and the work of God at play. I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever realized it, but I always find it interesting how when we start to rely on ourselves, when we start to look at the the work of our own hands, or when we start to vaunt ourselves up, it's then that we often encounter some sort of test. Or when we start to drift away from God, and we think ourselves well enough to, to go this life without really acknowledging God, or giving him a place of priority in our hearts and our lives, it's then that we encounter some sort of test. A sudden change comes. A situation arises. Something out of the blue happens. Or perhaps it's a a door of opportunity that's opened and you have to figure out how to walk through it. Or on the flip side, a door is slammed shut in your face and you have to figure out another way forward. And isn't that interesting? It's like Christ is standing before us like he did with Philip to say, Okay, Jason. Okay, Henry. Okay, Bob. How can you solve this situation? Where can we buy bread that all these may eat? And in the midst of that test, you're given to see the obstacles that you have brought to the table. You're given to see your sense of perceived resources or lack thereof. Or your lack of faith in his ability to work. Or your drifting heart. Or your emotional responses to him. You're given to see your inability to handle it on your own. And then there stands God. Like Christ did with Philip. You're right. You don't have what it takes. But I do. And in our story today, the disciples... Philip included, faithfully listened to the absurdity of Jesus in this situation. Two small fishes, five barley loaves, more than 5,000 people. And Jesus gives thanks, and he breaks bread, and he gives it to the disciples. And they faithfully trust and obey Jesus' word. And they begin to distribute the very grace of God manifested in and through that holy meal. And since we're now past Thanksgiving and we're officially allowed to reference Christmas stuff, at least in my book, I can imagine Philip and the other disciples and all the people in that green pasture that day being like the Grinch, whose heart grew three sizes that day. I can imagine with each piece of fish, with each bite of bread, as their eyes beheld the manifest work of God before them, that their hearts of faith grew. And as they picked up the fragments of what was left over, as they filled a dozen baskets full from what was once a small boy's lunch, they realized the overabundance of Christ's power and provision, and their hearts of faith grew yet even more. And friends, while I may relate, as I said earlier, to Philip in the the sense of quickly calculating out the food rations and the budgetary possibilities of the situation, I would dare say that we all relate to Philip as he's tested by Jesus and as he personally grows in his faith. As we're given to see that we cannot do all things on our own, 
as we see that we cannot solve every situation on our own, as we acknowledge that we cannot rely on ourselves for all things, but yet as we trust in Jesus and rely on his power in all things, we're drawn closer to him and our faith is increased. I mean, this is why I chose our sermon hymn today, because it reminded me of Philip on that mountainside. As he faced this test, he was left only to trust and obey. But in doing so, what great faith sprung up in that man. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.